Welcome everybody, Peter's laughing because today on the Wealthy Podcast I wanted to do a dramatic intro and it's for very good reason, it is basically one year anniversary since the coronavirus kicked in and knocked everything out. You and I were sitting in a podcast studio, Peter Escher, thank you for coming into the show again today, it's good to thank have you. Thank you, thank you, good to be back. Hey everybody. Um... If you, if you can't hear that, that's just, you know, that's the Redfern thing. We've got sirens here every single day. It's great news. It's good fun. Um, as we were saying earlier, it's been about one year since the coronavirus kicked in. And today we want to talk about our reflections, um, what we said 12 months ago, uh, what we experienced, what things we got right, what things we got wrong. We also want to talk about a whole host of topics and the whiteboard behind the camera. We've just got a whole heap of stuff and this might be a long podcast. So buckle in. Uh, I know that this is a quick shout out. I know that a lot of you and, and thanks for listening to a lot of you out there. There's cousins, family, friends that stop me at barbecues and stuff and say, hey, we listen to your show. And this is a thank you to all of you that are now sitting in your car in traffic, no doubt, listening to us rabble on. So I'll shut up now. Pete. Talk to us about what's been happening in the past 12 months and what we discussed, you know, nearly a year ago. Well, you can hear the sirens because the streets are busy. There's people out there and I think we're back. Uh, I think at least from an Australian perspective, the economy is back in full swing, Dom. Uh, geeks like me look at economic indicators and the GDP numbers. So the, econ- the, m- the most important economic indicator for Australia came out, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, and we shot the lights out. We performed a lot better than expected. And I think what's happened is a lot of people are surprised. Uh, people that were expecting bad, bad, bad. People that were expecting everything to fall apart. People that were clinging on to negativity have been shot out of the park. And those who are a glass half full kind of investor, a glass half full kind of person, are now patting themselves on the back and saying, what happens next? I'm getting ready for what's coming next and I'm not looking in the past. And um, government stimulus is winding down. One of the biggest concerns has been what happens after March. But um, you and I are going to talk a little bit about our predictions last year. But let me start off with a prediction now. It's not going to make an iota of difference because the economy is going to perform a lot better. We don't need the stimulus anymore. The patient in the hospital that require drugs uh, no longer needs those drugs because they're healthy and they can be released and they can go out and thrive. And that's what we're on the cusp of. And it's, it's you know, some of the highest GDP numbers that we've seen in years and years, what, four, three to 4%? Yep. Um, you know, the government anticipated no growth or maybe 1%. And it's just crazy to see how well our economy is performing. Um, I saw a crazy statistic the other day where you spoke about a lot on the podcast at that point in time. You said, Dom, the government is printing money. They're printing heaps and heaps of money. They're trying to put inflationary pressure into the economy and they want inflation. And the major thing that's going to be hit with inflation are assets. Yep. Asset prices are going to rise because the amount of money that's being printed by the government. And when you have a look a year later, how much money they actually printed, in the US, they had something like $4 trillion in circulation. They put in another $2 trillion, so nearly 40% to the total amount of money. 
Yeah, so the US government, so if you're worried about borrowing money, let, let me give you a few, a few numbers. The US government, the largest economy in the world, the, the, the most astute uh, country to be lending money to, now owes more than $22 trillion, okay? So you've got the largest country, the largest economy in the world owing $22 trillion, and the incoming Biden administration has just announced this week another stimulus package, which will see about $1.9 trillion added to that. So we are now, Dom, in an environment where if you don't have debt, you're really behind the curve, right? Debt is no longer, again, we spoke about this a lot last year, debt is no longer um, a dirty word. Uh, debt is now a means to grow. The Australian government went out and borrowed. We now owe uh, around a trillion dollars in Australia in net debt exposure. We needed that. We used that to do all the things that we just spoke about, to protect our economy, to make sure that jobs were protected and unemployment didn't hit 10%. So we've just seen governments around the world, we've just seen businesses, some of the best businesses around the world, use debt to invest and the, the, the outcome of that has been they've come out in a, in a good position. So that debt use, that use of debt was necessary and it's starting to pay off. So as an investor, if you've been sitting in cash waiting for the crash, it hasn't come about. The good news is there's a small window of opportunity still because of the COVID lockdowns, because of the restrictions on travel, that you can still invest in real estate, for example, and get a good deal. But that won't last forever. That's coming, I believe, to a point where it's going to be very hard to find deals in the market. We're not there yet, but it's coming. Yeah, so just to reflect. So 12 months ago, you and I were reading economic reports that were saying 10%, 15%, 30% price drops in real estate. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because I saw you watching the videos... <laughs> Um, that we were saying that you might see 5% price drops, maybe nothing. And in fact, by the end of the year, we'll see some price growth. No, we said prices are going to go up. Yeah. And people were like, you're crazy because Commonwealth Bank CEO came out and said the market could fall by 28%. And we said, no, 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 no. No way. No, we're not falling. We're going up. And guess what? It's up. We're now at the record level of price, prices. Um, believe it or not, um, the major capital cities are at levels higher than the previous boom in 2017. So people thought it was expensive then. It's now more expensive than what it was. And it's going to get more expensive because the amount of money that was printed that you spoke about hasn't disappeared. It's not going away. It's now flushing its way through the economy. So for people that haven't studied economics or, you know, it sounds like a boring topic to them, all you really need to know is when you increase the amount of money in the economy, the price of things go up. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over 12 to 18 months. So we are still feeling the consequences of the first round of stimulus 12 months ago. Now, we know that in 2020, there was so much stimulus coming through. So we, we are going to feel prices rising and the pressure of more money going into assets at least for another 12 to 18 months. That's going to drive prices higher. It's a simple way to think about it. If, if, if you're handing money into a system 
at some point it's then going to come out and people are going to spend that money in different places. And then when there's competition on those different things, that's why the price rises. And the way that the money's being spent was to encourage people to buy real estate. And that's the thing that we saw and we're like, hey, they're encouraging people to buy mm. real estate. Yep. That means the price is going to go up. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds stupid. And not just any real estate, new real estate. Because yeah. the federal government came out in Australia and offered a home builder grant, 15%, uh, $15,000. It was $25,000, now it's fifteen grand. Uh, the state governments came out and increased the incentives to brand new. Um, and so all the incentives that the government designs, designs to brand new because when you build something new, it's, it, it has a big economic impact to the economy. You stimulate a construction jobs, people go out and buy furniture and move, and that's a big what they call multiplier effects. And so we came out last year and said, hey, brand new is the game. You know, you want to get into brand new because there's government stimulus, there's a lot of money coming in, and supply is drying up. We don't have cranes in the air because it's harder for developers to build. And guess what? You know, that market's become... Uh, the government was actually blown away by how many applicants there have been for the grants. They expected this much, they came in here. So <laughs> that's demand. People, people want to move into the market. People want to get in on the action. So that, that, as an investor, I think you've got to stand back and say, OK, that's the past. I'm all about looking forward to the future. Yep. Right? We, we, I think we deserve to pat ourselves on the back because we were right. And I think if you go out and you listen to people, it's very important to have a look and say, what has this person been saying last year? If you're going to go out and say, this economist is predicting a 10% increase, is this the guy that said a 30% fall last year? Mm. Because if they are, stop listening to them. So when you sit and listen to the Wealthy Podcast and you listen to our team and everything else, go back to our YouTube channel, go back to prior episodes and have a look at where our predictions were because that will dictate to you whether you should be listening to us today and after you do that our thoughts today are that we are in the early stages of a big big price move absolutely you ain't seen nothing yet so what we have seen today is a a, a big price move we've seen some markets jump 20 percent more crazy we're going to auctions now and you heard um tom panos last week where uh, people are going to auction spending two three four six hundred thousand above reserve um crazy prices are coming in and this is happening in two key areas one it's hitting houses and land first now if you have a look back this is normal houses are much more reactionary than units. You'll see prices increase very quickly and then prices come back quickly. They are a lot more volatile from a price growth perspective than units are. Um, and we're seeing... Well, it's just because people value land. They want space and I think the coronavirus... There's less offer. There's way less offer. Right? The thing that's, that's more rare will move first. But it doesn't mean it's the only thing that's going to move first. If you have a look at how stock stock markets move, if you have a look last year, we had that big sell-off. You may have seen it in the news. The first companies to, to go up from those falls were the biggest and the best and the most rarest. If you have a look at the cryptocurrency space, Bitcoin moves massively and then everything else follows it. In real estate, it's the same. Houses move, luxury high-end houses move, but it doesn't stop there. There's, there's, there's a whole heap of and another category that is just starting to move right now. The other thing that, we'll, and we'll touch on that, Pete, but the other thing that really moved 
Um, actually, maybe we'll finish that as a topic and then we'll move to the next thing that moved. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah. So what Peter was alluding to is something that we said at the start of this year. Um, one, townhouses, because mm. they are starting to move already. There's land content. They bridge the gap between an apartment and a house where you do have some strata and it's good because they look after the block, they look after the building. There's a care, there's sentence of care and maintenance and there's an all-important piece of grass for your kids to roll around on a kick a soccer ball. So you're going to see a, pa- a townhouse's move in price and then everyone hates when they say we say this, but apartments are going to grow. Apartments are, are the game for the next 12 to 18 months. I don't care if people hate it. If you want to make money, listen to it. Apartments have not moved. They will start moving, and let's talk about why. Think, think about this. And I, I, some of you may have heard me say this before, and I stole it from Peter. Um, <laughs> people want to live a good lifestyle. Part of that lifestyle is what you live in. So how many bedrooms, how nice the kitchen is, what view you have. Um, but also a part of that lifestyle is where you live. Some people want to live in Potts Point. Some people want to live in Parramatta. Some people want to live in um, the eastern suburbs. Some people want to live north. These areas are, are only affordable at certain thresholds. For me to buy a house in Coogee, it's three and a half, four, five million dollars. To go and rent an apartment or buy an apartment, it's going to cost me maybe a million, 1.1, 1.2. So apartments are the clear affordability uh, option within the Kuji market. And I'm yes. using Kuji just because that's where I live there. It's a great example. It's, a, it's such a nice place to live. And one fraction of a percent can afford to live in a house. T- 20 times that can afford to live in an apartment. Yes. What's going to happen? People are going to gravitate to what they can afford. And what happens when, when, when house prices start to rise, what will happen in the next 6 to 12 months, you will start to see banks getting a little bit scared. because bank, This is great for banks because banks lend to houses. They want prices to go up, right? The worst thing for a bank is if they've lent all this money and house prices are falling. They want it to go up, but they don't want it to go up too hard because if it goes up too hard then you're going to have an overreaction and then we all know what happens, right? So they want it to go up, but they want to contain it. They want it to be gradual, nice, safe. So what they do is they limit the amount of money you can borrow. Mm. Today, floodgates are open. Go for gold. They're going to start saying, whoa, 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 let's pull back a little bit. Once they pull back and you can no longer borrow 900 grand, you can only borrow 700 grand, guess what? You're not going to go and buy a house. You're going to go and buy an apartment because there ain't no houses anymore at 700 grand. Right, so, so people are going to be forced into apartments because of affordability and the banks will force people to make that choice and that's why in the next 12 to 18 months, that's a segment of the market which is now just starting to move. Hasn't moved because the borders have been closed. When migrants come into this country, they usually come into an apartment. They come and gravitate, as Dom said, to areas that are beautiful like Coogee in Sydney and... Um, you know, centres like Parramatta and Strathfield and Liverpool and Bankstown, and that's where they want to live. They want to live next close to amenity. They want to get to know areas. They want to stick to what's safe, secure restaurants, food, universities, all that sort of stuff. Then they start to get creative and they go out in the suburbs and then they design their life in a, in a house or whatever. So once the borders open up, 
once migration starts coming back, you're going to have a double whammy. Banks trying to push people into apartments, mm. more affordable, and the demand for apartments from new migrants starting to increase. And that's going to have a big price impact. What you're also going to see, and this is what's been lacking from the, the, the market, is um, a lot of investors stepping in. There are investors out there buying, but largely the numbers coming from the banks and from APRA, from ABS, is that the majority of loans being issued are to owner-occupiers. Yep. We're seeing some early signs of investors stepping into the market. People are going to start feeling the wealth effect. All these people that own houses are going to see the 10 20% price growth. They're going to use their equity and they're going to buy something. Yeah. They can't afford to buy another house. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to go buy something and what they will do, because most people react out of fear, not, not necessarily fear, but they, they, they react to what they know. They'll buy something they can afford yep. and they'll buy something with a little bit of an income or a better quality income than what you can get out of a house. Now, a apartment is a better income-producing asset than a house more often than not. 100%. Historically, it's shown us that the yield is higher. We haven't seen that because there's been no migration, there's been no tourism, and there's been no students. Once these people come back into the country, they live in apartments. Yes, they live in apartments. They prefer apartments. They want an agile style of life. And when you go overseas, when you, when you look at where people come to Australia from, a lot of them come from countries where living in an apartment is the norm, is not the exception. Um, living in the apartment is, is, is very, very popular overseas. If you go to Europe, it's very rare that you see people living in houses. Um, if you go to Asia, it's very, very rare. So they're the people that come to this country, right? They're the people that migrate. So, so Dom, I think you're right. One of the, the other things is that, you know, in our business, when we talk to clients and we listen to them and we say, what are your biggest fears? Uh, we tend to hear that one of the biggest fears when it comes to investing, property investing, is not having enough income to pay my loan. So cash flow risk, a lot of investors want to make sure that they can buy something that doesn't overexpose them. Apartments, as you said, are a lot easier. Maybe not today. Generally, they've been a lot easier to rent out. If your tenant moves out, it's quite easy to replace them. In terms of things breaking down, a lot of the big stuff's handled by Strata. I don't need to worry about the gate and all that sort of stuff. I need to worry about maybe the dishwasher or the dryer or little things like that. And so as an investor, the investor segment prefers the, the apartment's because it, it has less, uh, less income risk um, into the future. So what we're painting a picture of, if you have a huge amount of people that are moving into the apartment market to rent, um, apartment, we haven't really seen much rental growth, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne. You will see some rental growth happen. People will be pushed back out of the CBD because they'll be sucked up by Airbnb, short-term rentals and students. But not just the Sydney CBD, you'll see all major CBDs get sucked up from rent and then people will have to sprawl out or urban sprawl be pushed out further north, south, west, east, whichever direction they can where they'll find affordability. Rent prices will go up, yields will go up, they'll become much more attractive as a property investment and then the next thing is you'll see a lot more demand and people will be buying. So... <laughs> 
So, you know, at the start of this year, let me just interject this. At the start of this year, I said there's a couple of things that I wanted to buy. It was a house for myself, for Charlotte, um, a, uh, a small-scale development, a premium off-the-plan uh, apartment or house or townhouse, something premium off-the-plan, um, and then a holiday home. And then Peter, after the show, then said, Dom, you're missing something. I'm like, what? And he goes, go and buy, like three or four apartments. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, go spend 300, 400, maybe half a million dollars an apartment, secure something off the planet. It's not just premium, it's affordable. Go get the affordable stuff. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes, I missed that. And that's right, because if you go buy these really good affordable apartments in these key locations, they're going to move. Can I give people my cheat sheet? Yeah, please. And, and, I'm gonna I'm gonna now ask Jenny to play something that Dom and I were watching during the week when when CBA came out and said price rises, f- uh, prices falling twenty percent. We came out and made a bold statement, right? Mm. Do we want to play that? Yes. All right, let's go to that. Listen to what we said when everyone was saying prices going down. We'll come back and then we're gonna give you our cheat sheet as to where you should look now. Let's go to it, Jenny. We've been hearing a lot of negativity around what's going to happen in the next few months because of COVID-19. And we're really interested in your opinion regarding this doom and gloom of like, what's surrounding us. What, what's your view? I think whenever it comes to opinions on market movements, regardless of whether it's real estate, property, currency, it's, very, uh, it's an asymmetrical risk to reward because if you get it right, you pat yourself on the back. And if you get it wrong, you just disappear and nobody holds you to account. It's, it's very easy to come up with a prediction um, and then hide. But I think if you test people's predictions and you go to those that have been accurate um, and you study that, you will see that they're less sensationalist, they're more level. You can't underestimate the impact of the government stimulus. You can't underestimate the impact of culturally how people perceive property in this nation. Um, many people see it for what it is. It's an opportunity to get into the market. So we're seeing an increase in activity in different parts of the market. You're seeing the banks respond and not leaving buyers high and dry. They're saying there is going to be some difficulty. However, interest is the lowest it's ever been. Let's allow people to roll over into interest-only loans at a low rate, making these properties suddenly affordable. Um, And where we do have a government that's invested in property, be it a good or a bad thing, that's probably a time debate for another day. But soon as they saw that, hey, construction's going to come off by many thousands of homes, they're like, shit, that's about 10 to 13% of our economy is in construction. We need to prop it back up again. So the government's invested in the success or at least the stability and maintenance of this investment or this asset class. So that's tied in with people's inherent want to own, to buy their own place, to have, you know, their cave, if you will, their their place of security. I think that that's the reason why you're not going to see those crazy property market drops, the 30%. And and in fact, in some parts of the market, you may see a boost. I've been talking to developers and in the house and land market, they've got more sales than they've had in the past couple of years. If you can afford to buy into a premier city like Sydney, 
that's that's your most optimal outcome. Uh, but generally, buy the best quality thing that you can afford. Mm. Buying an investment is very different to buying a house to live in. Your lifestyle and the quality of your life uh, are different, are non-financial elements. If you're looking to buy, buy in the premier city, buy something with a strong yield. It's not very difficult now to generate a three and a half, four percent yield in Sydney. And I think that's a fantastic opportunity. You'll watch this video in three or four years time, bookmark it, send yourself an email, put it down. And I guarantee that you will reference back to this and say that was a great time to buy in Sydney. Okay, great. So you heard what, what we were saying last year. Proof is in the pudding. Here's a cheat sheet for me personally, right? You, you might be different, but I think you and I are on the same page. Sydney, you want to be buying $600,000 to $700,000 price point. Anything below is usually of an inferior quality, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have access to infrastructure and, and, and everything else, and it's at an affordability band. So six hundred to seven hundred grand in Sydney, whether it's an apartment or it's a townhouse, I think that's that's a nice price point. Anything above is probably already run a little bit. You're a little bit late to the game. Anything below, inferior, too far out, it's cheap for a reason, which is what Tom Panel said last week. There's issues. Melbourne, I think four fifty to seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty grand is the game. Yes. You can get such beautiful two-bedroom apartments, four-bedroom townhouses. Sorry, three-bedroom, two, three-bedroom townhouses, four-bedroom homes. There's choice. So Melbourne, anything within that price band, you get more value. You don't have to start at 600. You can start at 450 and yeah. find something good. That's it. For me, game over. That's the price range. That's where I think I'm going to get Great growth, 12 to 18 months. We're boring when we say this. We don't, we're not telling you. Oh, we know, by the way, that Darwin has performed well. We know that Western Australia has performed well. We know there's double-digit growth happening in these other states. But an element of what we try to do is just do the simple things well. Blue chip, good quality assets. Take no risks with unnecessary risks with mining booms or short-term market movements, we're looking at this as buying good value today, something that will get you some growth in the short to medium term. But more importantly, what's going to perform over the long term and what's going to be less of a headache for you? So we're, we're saying this cognizant of the fact that there are other markets. We're just choosing not to jump in all of them. We can't play in every space. Yeah, our style, we've got a style. We stick to our lane. Other people have different styles, good on them. We pick the style that we're most comfortable with, that we fundamentally believe in, and when the the proverbial hits the fan, we are comfortable with. I don't know what will happen to Darwin if one of the biggest employers leaves. I don't know what will happen to mining town ABC or or regional town that is is everyone's fallen in love with regional. Oh, regional, you know. Regional's been cheap for a reason, right? Once COVID, the pandemic, people come back. You walk through the streets of Sydney now, it's so busy, right? Everyone's complaining about how much traffic. It's coming back. So this whole regional trend, I don't know, right? I don't like it personally, but other people like it and they've got different choices to me. I like to stick to my lane. You know, I see Sydney, uh, Melbourne, Brisbane at some point in a cycle. If Brisbane wins the Olympics, it's game on. Here we go. Because we know exactly what happened to Sydney. I stick to these three. I stick to the certain price points. Whatever happens everywhere else, I don't really care. 
Yeah, and, and look, we do have stock in other markets. We like some parts, things in Canberra. There are things that we are paying attention to. We're talking broadly. Um, an important thing that Peter just discussed is regional because earlier on I said there was two things I wanted to discuss. One, one that was, um, you know, house prices and uh, houses move fastest. Um, the other thing that's been performing very well is regional. You've got um, places like Byron Bay, like 30% price growth. Um, you're seeing other regional or satellite cities that are performing extremely well uh, over the past 12 months, I think they had something like, as an average, 8 or 9% price growth. And then CBDs had like 4% or 3 to 4% price growth. I think you should pat yourself on the back because you called it last year. You called the whole lifestyle move. And, and you know, when you were saying these things, um, it was early stage COVID. And you, and you saw that as a trend. And that's materialised. So uh, I think that's, uh, that's evidence that for some people... Um, that works. Right? Mm. But what's your view on it now? It's. Do you it's, think it'll continue, or the no, game's over? It won't. It, 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 we're going to see. You you see these 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 spikes in price growth in smaller markets because you're dealing with smaller numbers. Mm, so if true. you have um, an average market or a regional city where there's there's an average of a hundred transactions, and then Sydney loses a thousand people and then you see the transactions then go up to 150 and then you've got irrational people moving into the market that don't know the local dynamics mm. and they pay overpriced. five guys buy a house in six months and and pay 200 grand more and the median price goes up 30 percent and the newspaper says median price up 30 percent in this suburb you go look at the numbers it's five houses right and, and last year maybe three houses sold yeah that's exactly right. So I think that there's certainly value there. And I think that if you are a more mature investor that's bored with winning and you want to try and take a risk and, and beat the market, go for it. That's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> when, you're bought, when, when a good, safe, secure six to 700 grand investment is too boring for you and you want to do more... Uh, I think you need to stand back and say, am I becoming too greedy? Uh, what's happening? Because the best investors in the world, if you have a look at them, they build wealth over a period of time. It, when it comes to investing, unless you've got a great business uh, that in a couple of years you build great value with or, or you come across something that's intergenerational, usually in real estate, steady pace wins the race. And so you need to think about consistent returns, not just what happens next year, what happens in year, between year 20 and 25 because you're going and usually getting a 30-year loan. That's exactly right. So on that regional point, I'd say, yep, there is value. Yes, we called it. And um, do I see value in the long run? I would suggest for the vast majority of people stick to blue chip, stick to CBD, stick to high population, stick to... Um, areas where there's lots of varied employment opportunities and don't overcomplicate it because as soon as you do, the more moving parts, something will break. Okay. Okay. Where do you want to take it now, Pete? We've, we've, we've spoken about what we saw. We've spoken about some of our predictions. Um, we've discussed that, you know, we believe that apartments are certainly going to have a good run with townhouses. We said stick to CBDs. Um, economy's performing well. Uh, yeah. 
I know what I want to ask oh, you. Oh, okay. I'm going I'm to write down what I want to talk about. Oh, no, no, you go first. No, you, you go, go first. You go okay, first. okay. Um, so, what we're seeing some really good performance and one of the biggest risks that we believe over the next 12 months because already clients are talking to me saying, hey, Dom, I'm, I'm scared that it's performing too well. The market's going to break. The prices are prices going to drop and when are they going to drop? Um, and the question that I want to say is what are the biggest risks that you see coming to the market uh, and do you think that it's likely to happen over the next 12 or 24 months? I think there's one, one thing that stops this market rising. It is banks coming out and drastically changing the way they lend. Mm. If they stay out of the picture, this goes massively. If they come in and gradually tighten, certain price points are going to do well. But to me, that's the one thing that keeps me up at night because we saw in 2019 when the Banking Royal Commission came out, banks had massive risk aversion. It punished the market. Right, so that's the, the 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 key short-term thing for me. And when you say banks, you're talking about government intervention. It's APRA. It's it's you know the, the people that are the policy makers, not just NAB making a decision. It's yeah. the people at the top saying, "Hey, the market's cooking. Yep. It's boiling over. We need to do something about it." Yeah, this. it's usually the banking regulators um, start to make noise. You'll see it in an RBA governor will start to say oh you know we're not worried but the banks need to make sure they're doing the right thing APRA comes out and says hey we're a little bit worried a few weeks later they go and talk to all the banks and say hey what are you guys doing a month later they say hey we're going to limit the amount of investor loans for example the amount of interest only or stuff like that it's nothing new but that's the the, the key trigger that keeps me up at night do you think it's going to happen in the next 12 months if it happens, it'll limit the the million to two million price range. It's yep. not going to stop someone from buying an investment six to seven hundred grand in Sydney, four fifty to seven hundred thousand dollar price point in Melbourne. That's why, right? If there's no banking regulator in the background, I'm like buy two three million dollar property if you can afford it because that's going to keep running. Yep. But when I say four fifty to seven hundred in Melbourne, six to seven hundred in Sydney, I've got that in the back of my mind. So even if that happens, that's okay. We're at nice price points. I completely agree. I think that, you know, I had a, a lady talk to me the other day and she was concerned that her two-bedroom apartment in a good area was going to go down in value over the next six or nine months. Remember all our friends talking to us in 2019? And during, do you remember that person that called you during COVID saying, I've just off offloaded property? Yes. That was the worst time to be selling, right? The best time to be. And you said you should be buying. Yeah, I said, you're crazy. You should be doubling. It's a, it's a discount now. I had a handful of clients that had great deals. Great deals. They were buying um, $650,000 four-bedroom houses in um, the southwest of Sydney. You can't, you can't do that now. No. They're $750,000. they are eight fifty now. Yep. I had a couple of clients that listened to me, and they're very happy. They've done really well and kudos <laughs> to them and they deserve to do well because they backed themselves in a time that was difficult. They don't, didn't overcomplicate it yeah. and they're now going to reap the reward. It's 100K and, and, and the projects aren't completed. They're just, you know... It's 100K up until today plus what's coming. Yeah. Hey, um, I want to talk to you about something that I think it, it, people should be aware of and that's one of the things that happens particularly to new investors or if you're early in your investment journey going from your second to your third is that you listen to people 
mm. right? You listen to your friends at the cafe, family at the barbecue. You, you've got your ear out. And what happens, Tom Panos spoke about this last week, is that th there are these people that will always put doubt into your mind. I remember in 2009 when I bought my first property, my boss at the time spoke about how when the first home buyer's grant goes out, you better watch out. Okay, I remember that and I decided not to listen to him. And thank God I did that. So, so what, what's happening now is last year it was like, oh, you wait and see. 2019 was, oh, wait until the interest-only thing comes, the interest-only cliff, and then there's going to be so many mortgages out there that go from interest-only to principal and interest. Guess what? Rates halved. That was okay. When COVID came out, oh, you wait and see what's going to happen. This is the biggest... Uh, you know, global depression ever. Everyone's going to dump their property. Unemployment's going to 20%. Didn't happen. Then it was, oh, JobKeeper is going. Mm. You wait and see what's going to happen until March. That's going to be devastating for the economy. Guess what? That looks like it's going to be wrong. And the mortgage deferral thing? Mortgage deferral. You wait until all these mortgages come back. Guess what? Mortgage deferrals have finished. You go to an auction, people are lining up punching each other to get to bid on a property. Wrong, 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 wrong. The next wrong thing that I think you're going to hear at cafes and amongst these people that are always looking for the next Experts. bad thing to happen, you wait until what's what, watch what's going to happen to interest rates. Mm. Interest rates are going to rise. I'm telling you, rates are going to rise. They're too low. You're not going to be able to pay off your mortgage. Guess what? Rates are probably going to rise. You know why? Because they're at ridiculously low levels. Rates have never been this low in 700 years. So, yeah, rates will rise. However, when you're investing, it doesn't matter if your rents are rising at the same time. Interest rates rise when the economy is strong. Rates rising is not a bad thing. It's a sign that there is asset growth. The price of everything is going up. So the Reserve Bank has to now start to increase interest rates a little bit. You want that. That's a sign of a healthy economy. The people that struggle are those that have bought a house to live in and borrowed too much money and their wages are not growing by that amount. If it's an investment, ignore that nervous Nelly or, or what do they call them, negative Nancy that's talking interest rates because they have no idea what they're talking about. You're 100% right. I hear that. Dom, what happens when interest rates rise? Well depending on how you've structured your investment, you're, you've still got an income you're and making that money. income will likely rise as well. You're making money. If you think rates are going to rise, you better buy an investment. Now, buy before it rises. <laughs> because rates rise because asset prices are going up. So rates will rise because the value of your property is going up. And guess what? Property prices are starting to move up. Mm. We could sit and deliberate, talk, <sighs> but I think we unpack quite a lot today. Um, any parting thoughts? I think it's very important who you, who you take advice from. I think I'm really proud of what you guys have been doing, the content that you've been putting out. Um, I'm proud of what we've built as a team. We've got now a very... Not only do we have experience and a track record, but we have a very solid body of confirmation that the things we say people should listen to and, and people should have weight to so be very careful who you take advice from go and test everything we've said and at some point you need to make decisions 
partnering with people that know what they're talking about. And I believe we're the best people in the market to do that. I, I believe that you're, you're right. We've built a great team. Everyone's doing well. Uh, I want to say thank you again to all of you that are listening. Oh, we really, really do appreciate it. We see the viewers and the listeners growing week to week. Um, we love all the feedback. I, I love every single time. Some, I get a little embarrassed whenever someone comes up and says, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm enjoying it. So thank you. Keep doing it. I'm happy to receive Dom's it. got people walking up to him asking for his autograph. So guys, <laughs> if, 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 you, if you see Dom in public, make sure you... you Don't do um, that. That's the surefire way to embarrass the shit out of me. Go and take a selfie with him. Um, so honestly, thank you. Keep sending your questions. Your feedback is very uh, appreciated. A lot of today was crafted because people have been telling us what they want us to talk about. Um, again, if you're finding value, share it, comment, leave a, a like, leave a five-star rating if you're an Apple podcast. Um, all these little things are, are building something. To, and we're, I feel like we're building something together. So I'm deeply appreciative and... Yeah, stay, stay tuned and I hope to see you all in next week in the next couple of days and catch you soon. Thanks, Tom. Happy investing, everybody.